And welcome to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. George Bremer, Ryan Hickey here with you as always. If this is your first time checking us out, number one, welcome. Number two, thank you for joining us. And number three, where have you been? Make sure you stick with us now going forward. Easiest way to do so, subscribing on YouTube, Blue Horseshoe Podcast. And wherever you get your podcasts, Blue Horseshoe Podcast, bright blue logo. That is our brand new feed where all our newest episodes are dropped. So make sure you are subscribed so you are in the know. George, a old foe, a familiar face this weekend on the schedule. What we thought was going to be a nice, fun rookie battle between Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson obviously is not. But it is the first time the Colts get to face their old head coach in Frank Reich. I'm going to go on, uh, on a limb here, George, and say, this one for Frank, he may downplay it this week in terms of extra importance, but especially coming off their first one of the season, I'm going to say this one is going to be extra special for him. He's going to try to pull out all the stops this weekend. He may play downplay it publicly. I doubt he's downplaying it with the team. I'm sure the Panthers are going to be fired up for this one. Uh, there's no doubt. I mean, when you face your old team, it's so different than players, right? When you face your old team, uh, there's a little extra juice that week. And I think if the, the parting was – not mutual, uh, it's going to be even more. That's the case. You know, Frank Reich was fired here. It's not like he stepped down or retired or, you know, decided that he wanted to go move back to Carolina. Those things all, I don't care who you are. You know, if you're a competitive person and if you're in the NFL, you're an ultra competitive person, you're going to get a little juice after something like that. Oh, especially. And I think, too, it adds to it. You tell me if I'm wrong here is you look at what happened or the circumstances letting, uh, that led to Frank Reich getting fired last year. Eerily kind of similar as you look around, like we're going into week number nine uh, this week. Last year, Frank Reich was fired after week number nine after that just lethargic effort against the Patriots. At the time he was fired, they were 3-5-1. and one. Right now, the Colts enter this game 3-5. and five. And George, honestly, the vibes, the optimism, they could not be you know more worlds apart this year compared to last year. Do you think Frank has any, like, obviously I'm sure he's not paying attention to the Colts every week, but I'm sure he has an idea of the, like at least the positivity and the optimism right now in Indy compared, you know, right now compared to last year. Do you think he has a right to feel like he was treated and fired unfairly? I'm sure he's keeping tabs. I mean, I'll start there. Um, Cause you know, he, he and Shane Steichen are, are pretty close. True. You know, and you've got the Nick Sirianni connection between the two of them. So I, I doubt he's, you know, sitting down and, and getting home on Monday and, and re-watching the game every week, but I'm sure he's aware of what's going on. You know, I'm sure he's aware of the Jonathan Taylor situation. He's aware of uh, how good Anthony Richardson looked and, you know, what what the general vibe is going forward. There's no question about that. Um, you know, last year is so tough to, to, to put into – we talked about it. You know, people can go back if they want to relive 2022 oh. for some reason. Like a torture. Go back and and find you know those those pods from exactly a year ago, uh, and, and find that you know we were saying that in our in our estimation, Frank Reich wasn't you know one of the top five reasons that that they were in the situation they were in last year. Um, but I I also think, and I think I said at the time, I also think. It, at some point, it becomes mutually beneficial for a change. You know, no matter what, when you're in a situation and you've been there for a while, uh, 
I think you reach a point where it's better for, for both sides. And I think the Colts and, and Frank were probably getting pretty close to being there. You know, maybe you could have let him play the season out, given how many times he's turned things around in his career. But I, I think they were tied. And I think this year's optimism is a result of that. They've got a new voice in that locker room. They've got a they got a whole new era. I mean, you got sure Anthony Richardson is on the sideline right now, but everybody understands that that he's the quarterback going forward. You got Josh Downs, you know, looking like an outstanding draft pick there in the third round. You got Juju Brents, uh, who flashed a lot of potential and, and they're hopeful that he's going to be a leader on the other side. It's a whole new era there. And I think that I think the Colts needed that in, in all honesty. Uh, just because it's time. I think you know you roll through every franchise. You you get to a point where, okay, you know things things probably need to move forward here. Uh, for me, I think I'm going to remember most about the Frank Reich era isn't really the on field stuff. I mean, I was thinking last night because I knew we were going to you know talk about him on the pod. Like, what was the big win? And, you know, people go to the Chiefs win and, and a bunch of – for me, the signature win was in Tennessee in 2018, in week 18. Well, I guess it was week 17 back then still. Uh, when there's a playoff spot on the line, you're on the road. It was a pretty, like, vintage Andrew Luck performance. Uh, go in there and, and beat Tennessee. And at that time – the optimism around that team felt even greater than than the optimism here because it was Andrew Luck is back and they're going to do all these great things moving forward and they go beat Houston the next week and then run out of gas against Kansas City. But, you know, there was real thought of, hey, this team could be in Super Bowl in a couple of years at that point. And we know how everything went after that. But I think those are the moments that I'm going to remember most. Not like that game is probably the signature game for me. But when I think about Reich's tenure, I think about things like coming in after the luck retirement and sort of soothing everything. He just, you know, he was a pastor in a past life. Uh, we 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 know his background. I think there were so many incredibly tumultuous times when he was here, uh, when he would come in and, and make it feel like, OK, they're going to get through this. They're going to find a way, you know, through this. Um, that to me is what I'll remember more than anything else. Uh, he was tested in, in ways few head coaches have been around here. And I think every time he stepped up and he calmed the waters. That is, I'm glad you brought like best moment in terms of the Frank Reich era, because I actually go back to a loss. Um, I actually go back to the Texans overtime loss. I forget what week it was early in the season. You're off to that one and five start, but the infamous right fourth down you, at their own, I think it was 18 yard line, if I'm not mistaken, um, where if the Colts don't get it, basically the, it's a gimme field goal for the Texans and they win the game. Now I'll never forget that because it's early in the season. And again, you're still coming off of Andrew Luck, right? Missing the entire 2017 season. They're still like, he's playing. He looks okay. But it's like he couldn't finish the Eagles game. They couldn't, you know, throw the Hail Mary. So it's still like, oh, how back is he? Never forget. You go for it. Obviously does not get it. Texans kick the field goal. You lose the game. And after the game, it's not even like, it's almost like it, was, it felt like a different vibe in the locker room because sure you lost and sure you can point to the coaching decision of just like, what the hell are you doing? But it's like, it almost felt like it galvanized the players and that moment right there, even though it was a loss, felt like that was one of the turning points of the season and that kind of led to the, from the one and five start to the 10 win finish and making the playoffs. 
because they that was like the first time someone believed in them in a long time. And it's like, wow, he believed in us so much that this game on the line in this moment, like he thought we could absolutely get it, no problem. And again, going back to even like 2015, 2016, when Luck is playing, but he's banged up and it's not looking great. And obviously the entire 2017 season is a total disaster. There was a lot of negativity, a lot of questions about this team. And it's like, he was kind of the first person to instill real belief in years. And it felt like that truly like, you know, again, um, resonated with that team. And you look at where that Colts organization was um, at that moment where they were, you know, you fired Chuck Pagano. We thought they hired Josh McDaniels, which turned out to be an absolute blessing in disguise. But like this team, this franchise was reeling when he came in. They had a quarterback that was, in terms of talent-wise, one of the best in the league. But again, no one knew the status of him coming back after the shoulder injury, if he could ever get back to that elite level. And it's like early in the season when things are not going well, to still have that, so you know, that belief and that aggressiveness to go for a spot like that, that to me is definitely, I think, the moment that stands out the most for me in the Frank Reich era, just because it kind of set the tone early of, look, I'm going to believe my players. We're going to go for it. Like, we we know we have talent-wise, and I'm not going to kind of sit on the bench with the Ferrari in the garage. I'm going to go let him play. And that was kind of one of those moments where it's like early on, even in the loss, it's like, wow, this is going to be different. And this is going to kind of show like the coach believes Andrew Luck is back. So maybe we should start as fans believing that Andrew Luck can come back. And obviously, again, you end that season with a playoff uh, where you, you get a playoff win. And even like you said, the, the playoff loss of the Chiefs, maybe going back to 2012 um, in Luck's first year when you lose to the Ravens. But it's like, wow, they made the playoffs in general. Like there, I don't think as a fan I've ever felt more optimism after a loss. Um, than I did after the Chiefs loss in the second round of the playoffs that year, just because it's like, that was, again, unexpected. Luck looked great. And it's like, going forward, it's like, this team is going to be in a great, like, they were my, not to be a homer, they were my, never forget, my Super Bowl pick in 2019, just because of all the momentum you had in 2018. And a large part of that was Frank Wright coming in in a time of crisis and really not only just keeping this team steady, but instilling a lot of belief in this team and in this organization and this fan base that things are going to be okay. And he delivered on that promise. And I think that's one thing that, that Steichen's kind of carried over. I think if you want to draw comparisons between them, um, you know, he's, he's brought in a lot of belief and instilled a lot of, of confidence moving forward, but he's also had that, that same um, belief in his team, that same, you know, we're going to go for this in, in this situation. And, um, I think his team's responding positively too, but I do think it's interesting that you get to this point now where it's, it's right versus Steichen and the Colts are at a little bit of a fork in the road. I mean, you've lost three in a row, uh, entering this game last place in the AFC South by a half game, but you're still there. Uh, and it's a very tight race. It's not like they're completely lost touch with, with second place. Um, but you're not, you're at the low point of the season right now coming in here and they've got to see, you know, you talk about it last year, three, five, and one from three, two, and one, the same thing, three game losing streak. Um, we know how that spiraled. And I think it's, it's up to Steichen to make sure that doesn't happen again. And this game is, is critical in that regard. I, I would go so far as to say, even though it's week nine, this is a must win for Indianapolis for a lot of reasons. I'm sure the owner doesn't want to lose to the only coach he fired in season. Panthers are one and six. 
they're scuffling even more than the Colts are right now. And if you want to have any kind of expectation, any small percentage of belief that in, in you know when you get back from the bye here in a couple of weeks, that you can still make a run at a wild card spot at bare minimum, you've got to win one of the next two games. And I really think you got to win them both. We'll get to our picks here in a minute. I don't want to kind of blow it, but I do feel like this is a game the Colts absolutely should win. I don't, the reason why I'm hesitant saying must win George is just because like, I think like to go back to the initial question, I don't think Frank Reich was fired unfairly in part because things felt stale and just felt inevitable. Like with the expectations, you're three, five and one, the quarterback change, the offensive line can't block Matt Ryan can't hold on to the ball. It was an absolute disaster. Obviously, even though the record is almost the same, I mean, if they tie on on Sunday, my goodness gracious, <laughs> and we're sitting here at identical three, five and one records two years in a row. Holy smokes. But like things like right there, there's a reason for optimism because the offense at least is looking competent this year and you're doing a large part of this with a backup quarterback. That's honestly the biggest reason why I don't know if I could say must win and week number nine, bad Panthers team. Yes. And like you said, there's history there. You don't want to get embarrassed if you're Jim Mersey by having the coach you fired in season and Frank Wright get revenge with the worst team and beat yours. But it's like, I think at least from a player's perspective, why this won't resemble last year is number one, Jeff Saturday. You know what? It's Jim Mercer, so I am knocking on wood. I'm not superstitious. I'm a little suspicious though. Jeff Saturday ain't walking through that door anytime soon. And it's like, I think at least the players understand it's still Gardner Minshew. Like, this is not how this team is going to look next year, where obviously you're expecting the return of Anthony Richardson. So even if the offense, let's say for the first time, doesn't score 20 points, or if the defense continues to struggle, at least they're still at the end of the day, no matter how bad it is, there's a light at the end of the tunnel of, hey, look, our guy is, he's good when he playing, can be back next year. Like, it's not all doom and gloom like it was last year, where you look, you bring him at Ryan, that just totally failed. Now you're just grasping at straws to bring Sam Ellinger in. The offensive line that you're paying a heavy uh, salary to is not blocking anybody. Like, even though the roster, there's a lot of similarities in the roster last year and this year. The way guys are playing, it's so much. It's night and day this year and last year. That's why I won't say must win, should win, should win. But I don't think, I at least am not going to panic like the world is ending if they lose this game. I don't think I'm going to panic. Um, but I just think if you're looking at it from the perspective of some of the guys in, in that locker room, because some of them are going to be here next year. Some of them, True. there definitely is a lot more optimism around this team. And I think a lot of that goes back to the quarterback situation. You kind of out, you know, laid it out right there. Do they need to see more from Anthony Richardson? Absolutely. Does he need to stay healthy? Absolutely. Uh, but what they saw for the first time in a long time, you can have hope in that position. You can feel like, Hey, you know, some big things could happen with the quarterback here in Indianapolis. Uh, I think that changes the mindset of everything going forward. The fact that you've got him coming back um, next year, it does. It, it 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 keeps you from having that 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 grim reaper kind of feeling that you had a year ago, where you don't know where the quarterback's coming from, who it's going to be, and and how that position is going to play out moving forward. Um, but I do think from from a player standpoint, I think this game's a must win for that simple fact that if if you're one of these guys, your contract's up, and you don't know where you're going to be next year, uh, and you've been through, I, Kenny Moore's a great example. I'm not saying specifically him, but if you're in his boat where you've been through this wild ride. You were here for the entire Frank Reich era. You've been, you know, to the playoffs 
a uh, couple times, uh, but but you've not been able to get back, you know, since 2020. You went through last year and everything that was. I think you really want to have something to play for in December this year. You know, guys like that, I think, really want to have realistic hope of, of being in that wild card chase, trying to make something happen. Uh, and the only way that happens if, is if you went on Sunday. But there's absolutely, as far as, like, the franchise itself goes and, you know, the future, no. You know, this this isn't a if they lose, Shane's on the hot seat, any kind of a thing like that kind of a situation. Um, but I do think, you know, for this team in this moment, if you want to make something of this year, which would be a surprise. I mean, let's face it. Another reason why things feel different this year than last year is the expectations going in. Great point. But, you know, if you're going to make it something out of this year, you you got to win at least one of the next two weeks, and I really think both of them. I'm, if you want to make something out of this year, you got to win both. You have to – if you want to just make, again, Thanksgiving and the rest of December interesting, you have to win these next two games. You're better than the Panthers, and you are better than the Patriots. There Again, if you – we've seen this team, again, be, right, be in every game for the most part, compete hard. If you want to keep that going here, bare minimum, you got to be five and five going into the bye. And that means sweeping these next two games against right now, in terms of win total, the worst team in the NFL and the Panthers. And right now against the Patriots right now, a very vulnerable team that does not give you any reason to believe offensively or defensively. They can match right now what the Colts are doing, even with how bad defensively the Colts have been here in recent weeks. Um, that's still a team that you are better than and should win that game. Speaking of the Patriots really fast here, um, George, another, I mean, <laughs> The thing that, again, Frank Reich did um, that not only helped buoy this franchise, but one of the best, you know, one of the best things that ever happened to this team, ever happened to this franchise, is Bill Belichick. Because Bill Belichick basically grabbed Josh McDaniels before he was about to take this cold job and said, hey, look, I can't lose you. I'll give you a, a godfather-like deal. You're staying here in New England. And Josh McDaniels backing out. At the time, I'll be honest, I was excited. I hated Josh McDaniels for the longest time, but I can't lie. I was fired up when for those like 12 hours or whatever it was, when it was reported that he was taking the job between then and then all of a sudden when it was reported that he was not taking the job. Um, Bill Belichick deserves a big thank you note from every single Colts fan on this planet, because you see what happened in Vegas, George, the Colts. I mean, you talking about dodging a bullet. That is the biggest bullet. This franchise, I think is franchise has ever dodged. He sucks. Oh, yeah. And I just from a media standpoint, I mean, things that you hear, uh, especially coming out now about, you know, social media being watched and, you know, constantly complaining about leaks when the leaks are coming from the head coach and the general manager. Yeah, no, that's not something that I wanted to live through. Um, I'm pretty happy. The things turned out the way they did. I'll be honest, though. I was where you were. I mean, I was thinking, okay, well, you know, you put Andrew Luck in that Tom Brady style of offense. This could be interesting to watch, you know, see where this goes. Uh, but I think we now know that that Luck may have retired even earlier. Maybe he would have just retired before the season. <laughs> and uh, this would not have. I don't think there's any way to imagine this. This would have ended well. But, I mean, on the flip side, Maybe they would have hired Frank Reich in, you know, halfway through the 2019 season. That's true. I think you're half kidding about Andrew Luck retiring early, even earlier. I think you're right, though. Like, honestly, <laughs> you, if you listen or watch Devontae Adams at all after any of these games, 
I mean, he, after the Monday night football game, like literally was like speechless. He just was so perplexed. He had no words. And Josh McDaniels, offensive guru, air quotes, if you're listening on the podcast, basically drained the life out of one of the best receivers in the NFL. He, he would have, I think, killed Andrew Luck's career even earlier, again, like before the injuries did. And it's just like, holy cow. This guy can't coach offense, can't coach anyone that's not Tom Brady, and is just so miserable to be around that, again, like we thought the last half of 2022 with Jeff Saturday was like a lifeless team that's just like, this is this is hell on earth in terms of watching football. It sounds like being under playing under Josh McDaniels is even worse than that. And George, honestly, if you say, is there anything worse in terms of team morale and team energy the second half of last year, I would say no. Well, I'd have to correct myself because you watch, I mean, in Denver a decade ago and now with the Raiders at any point the last year and a half, <laughs> no player has enjoyed playing under him. He just drains the will out of you. It's unbelievable. Yeah, that, that locker room was definitely, if not on the verge of mutiny, maybe it already committed mutiny. I mean, it, it, there's there's no doubt uh, it was time for a change there and, and certainly a dodge. But it's kind of interesting, too, though, that, that he gets fired this week. Uh, just because of all the, as you go into this whole Colts head coaching situation and all of it coming to a nexus Sunday in Charlotte, kind of fitting that that you know Josh McDaniels is a part of it as well. You're right. You that's actually that's a great point. Timing is perfect this week for sure. Where we thought the answer, the the maybe the the next boy wonder, if you will, coming to India to save this franchise was McDaniels. He backs out. Frank Wright comes in, saves the franchise, steadies them in a time of unsteadiness. And now, like you said, Frank fired fairly, but again, did a really good job in his five years uh, as Colts head coach. And McDaniels is also fired out of a job. And boy, you see the train wreck and just the absolute tank job he did to that Raiders organization. They're going to have a lot of, a lot of undoings. To um to write what McDaniel's kind of ruined in that short time in Vegas somehow George even shorter in Vegas than it was in Denver which is hard to believe but this guy he sucks he is I would argue the worst head coach in NFL history to, since he got a second chance and was somehow worse in his second chance than he was in his first chance and he was terrible in his first chance my oh my that is a a massive bullet dodge and a nice reminder. This week going into this game of what could have been, and boy, we thought it was bad at some points during the Reich era. It could have been 10 times worse. Again, just how McDaniels is with the media, last point here, not to belabor it, how McDaniels would have hired the luck, uh, would have handled the luck retirement versus how Frank hired the luck retirement. It, it would have been, it, it was already a disaster. It would have been 50 times worse if McDaniels was sitting up there stumbling around, bumbling around trying to have answers as to what happened. It would have been, it would have been a nightmare and an absolute circus, an absolute circus for sure. Um, okay. So Panthers, right. This is the Panthers preview pod here in part. We're going to do something different this week, George, because look, let's just be honest here. The Panthers are not very good. They're one and six. They just got their first one of the season. So we figured let's just do a little bit of a different preview than a normal behind enemy line. Just see how kind of this works this week. So let's just do a few game props here, kind of a few game predictions to see how we think the game will go. And we'll finish it at the end as we always do with our game picks. So let's start here, George. The last two weeks, the Panthers offensive line has combined to allow 10 sacks on Bryce Young, including six last week to the Texans. 
So if I set the over-under number at four and a half sacks, the Colts get of Bryce Young. Are you taking the over or the under? I'm going to go under. I think the, the defensive okay. line has been slumping a little bit right now, but I, I think the bigger part here is the secondary. You know, those two areas go hand in hand. And uh, without knowing for sure who's going to be at that, that second outside cornerback slot on Sunday and really knowing that there isn't an option that, that's really going to instill a lot of confidence uh, outside of maybe moving Kenny Moore out there and then moving Nick Cross into the nickel slot, uh, which I don't think is going to happen. But I think Bryce Young's going to have a hot read. He's going to have an out. He's going to be able to get the ball off his hand quick. I think he's going to be sacked. But I'm going to say it's it's right at four. It's just right under uh, because I just think the Colts are going to have some trouble getting home uh, given the fact that that right now that relationship between the secondary and the line is a little dysfunctional. You are right about that. So maybe I'm delusional here, but I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over for two reasons. Number one, the offense line for Carolina is not very good. That's obvious. Number two is you heard Gus Bradley kind of talk this week about some of the miscommunications issue, uh, miscommunication issues in the secondary. And a few times Tony Brown should have had safety help and didn't. And it really, some of the passes that he got burned deep for weren't his fault because he should have had help. I was expecting it. didn't get it. I think this week we're going to see a lot of dropping seven. And even though that means you're going to rush four, I think the Colts are going to try to blanket these receivers and really keep everything in front of them. Bryce Young has had a propensity as rookie quarterbacks do to hold on to the ball long. So I think Colts playing coverage and Bryce kind of waiting for receivers to come open is going to give this uh, defensive line enough time to get home. So I'm going to say the over because I think they'll stress coverage this week, make sure the safeties this week, unlike last week are playing deep and not allowing any speedsters to get behind them. And make sure that for all of what was <coughs> a complete disaster last week, that no guys are left on islands, specifically uh, specifically Tony Brown, if he's out there by himself. I think the coverage will be cleaned up. Also, it helps that you're not going against Michael Thomas, Crystal Lave, and Raheed Shahid as well. A little bit less of a uh, Panthers um, intimidating wide receiver room. So I think coverage sacks are going to be um, at a big point this week. So I'll say over. I think the Colts get over four and a half sacks, covered sacks. They get after Bryce Young and make his life continuing to be hell. How about this, George? Will Jonathan Taylor rush for over 100 yards in this game? Now, on the season, the Carolina Panthers have had two rushers go for over 100 yards uh, in a game so far this season. And for JT, the last time he went over 100 yards, fitting as it is the theme this week, week 10, against Josh McDaniels and the Las Vegas Raiders, the last win of the 2022 season. So it's been almost a year, right? That was week 10 last year. We're going to week nine this year. Does JT break the century mark, in your opinion, this week? I'm going to say yes. Carolina is 28th in, in yards per attempt allowed rushing, which is not a good sign when you're going up against a John Taylor who's starting to heat up. But I also think for all the... I don't want to say dodging that, that Shane has done about the questions about the touches, uh, but you know, for all the explanations that he's given and, and for all the downplaying of it that he's had, I think he understands that, that Jonathan Taylor getting just one carry in the second half is never something that, that you want to celebrate. And it's never something that, that, that should really happen. Uh, and coaches tend to overcorrect in these situations. When you look at last week, 
So Michael Pittman didn't get targeted in the first half. He got targeted on the first six passes on Sunday and ended up scoring a touchdown, uh, you know, on that opening drive. So I think same. I think we might see something similar with, with Taylor. I think he's going to have a, a season high for carries, and I think that's going to result in him going over 100 yards. Uh, and I think it's going to really result in jump starting an offense that already has actually been playing pretty well, even throughout this three game losing streak. Overcorrection is a perfect word. I think we're going to see overcorrection in the secondary to make sure no one gets beat deep this week. And I'm with you 100%. I think with the noise he's heard and realizing too, Shane Sykin, that is like I said, you can't have your best offensive player. I think it was one catch and one rush. I think he touched the ball twice, I believe, in the second half, but definitely one rush. You can't have that in the second half of a game that for the most part in the second half was a one score game. It's not like you got to chase points and you can't, you know, down by three touchdowns, you're not going to run the ball. I'm with you. I think it's going to be an overcorrection. I think we're not going to see a balance and or an equal distribution of carries like we've seen so far for the first three weeks of JT being back in the lineup as him and Zach Moss have basically outside of one or two carries have had equal carries um, each last three games. I'm with you. I think he's going to get the ball a lot more this week. And I think he's going to break the century mark um, for the first time in almost a year. I would agree. I am with you hundred percent JT over hundred yards. George and I on the same page. Panthers offense has been struggling so far this year, George. 18.1 points per game is their average. Will the Panthers score more than 21 points on Sunday? Yay or nay? I'm going to go with yes again here uh, because the defense has given up an average of 38 points in, in this three-game oh. losing streak. And we've seen them do it uh, against some offenses that were struggling coming in. Now, none to this degree. Uh, both Cleveland and New Orleans were more in the middle of, of, of the pack. I think the Browns are 13th right now and and the uh, Saints are 17th. So it's, you know, not to this degree. Uh, and Jacksonville's a whole other creature at the start of this this losing streak, but especially down there. But I just feel like the, this defense still, as, as I talked about on the sack situation, the defense still has uh, some things that they've got to figure out. Now, I don't think it's going to be 38 this week. But I do think it's going to be over the 18 average that that they've got, uh, and and I'll go with above 21 or more. I'm going to go below. I know they've been bad, but two reasons. Number one, I don't think this passing offense is going to be good enough to exploit the biggest weakness right now, uh, which is obviously the Colts secondary. But also, two, I don't think they're not very efficient, the Panthers, that is, in the red zone. They kick a lot of field goals. We saw it even on Sunday in the game against the Texans, they scored one offensive touchdown, settled and struggled a lot in the red zone and kicked a lot of field goals. I think if the Panthers are able to move the ball, once they get inside the 20, it's going to be tougher sledding for them. So I think we'll see a lot of field goals kicked. I don't think they're going to break 21 points here. And the Colts defense does kind of buckle down a little bit this week and does hold them to under, under 20. Speaking of under, George, Gardner Minshew, fights at the over-under at one and a half turnovers in this game. He's been turnover-prone, nine turnovers the last three games. Now, at his credit, just one turnover uh, against the Saints last week. And you are now going against a defense in the Panthers that are tied for the fewest turnovers forced in the NFL, just six all season. So one and a half turnovers from Gardner Minshew, over-under. I'm going to go. This is a toughie here. This is a really toughie. I I just, I, I got to feel like over again. I know they've only got six, but he's, he's in a situation where he's thrown, I think one interception at least in all three of these last games. So I'm going to assume that that continues and there's one pick. 
but also Brian Burns. I just feel like at some point he's going to get his strip sack. I mean, it, it just feels like that's a thing that's going to happen in this game. So I'm going to go with two, one interception and one Brian Burns strip sack. He's a bad man. He's a bad dude. I'm with you. I have to go over as well because even though the Panthers don't take the ball away, we said the same thing, George, about the Browns two weeks ago for how great that defense is, how historically great they were. The one thing they didn't do up to that point in the season was take the ball away. I think at that point, uh, that was what, week seven, they had four turnovers. So it was four turnovers in six games that they forced. And then we come out of the game and there's four turnovers forced by the defense. So just because the defense up to that point in the season hasn't taken the ball away doesn't mean that Gardner Minshew is not going to do his part to change those numbers. And right now, like you said, he's just been turnover machine. Even, I mean, it's crazy, but just to give him praise last week for one turnover is kind of dumb because that one turnover was so costly when you're driving about to take the lead in the second half and you throw an ill-advised double coverage interception in the end zone that had no business being thrown in the first place. He just has continued to show that he has not made good decisions. And by the way, he's lucky to have one interception. We talked about it on the postgame pod. Those last two drives of the game, George, I mean, what, five interceptable passes he threw that were dropped or nearly intercepted by Saints defenders. So it's almost like he got lucky. It was just one. Uh, I think he's going to put the ball in harm's way again. And even though the Saints defense has not forced a lot of turnovers, I'm with you. Gardner right now does not deserve the benefit of the doubt in terms of taking care of the football. So over under one and a half turnovers, I'm with you. I'm going over, uh, going over as well. Okay. Last one here in terms of over under. It's not really an over-under. It's more of a yay or nay here. Who, uh, at the end of this game, do you think will have more receiving yards? Michael Pittman Jr. or Adam Thielen? For reference, on the season, MPJ, 529 receiving yards. Thielen, 581. Who's going to be the box score leader here, George, when it's all said and done? Thielen or Pittman? I want to go off the board here and go see Josh Downs because he's just been really hot. But you know what? Go go leading receiver if you want. If you want to just <laughs> just say who's the leading receiver after Sunday, you can go for it. I, mean, I just think that Downs is red hot, and, and I don't see any reason why that won't continue on Sunday. So I feel like Downs is going to be the guy uh, who has the most yards in this game. But between those two, I, I think Thielen, uh, because he again is probably going to be Frank's. Frank is smart enough to match him up against whoever that other cornerback is. And, and I think it's going to lead to a decent day. Now, you know, is it going to make a difference? We'll see. You know, we'll get to the pick here in a little bit, but I do think Thielen's going to have a good day. And I think Bryce Young's numbers are going to be decent. I think they're probably going to be one of his better, better games of the year. I am with you in terms of the two guys, Pittman or Thielen. I think Thielen's going to have a better day receiving wise. Two reasons. Number one, like you said, the secondary, I mean, who's really matching him up? And who's really shutting him down? The answer is nobody. But also, too, I do think we've talked this before. I think the Colts offense is best when they're spreading the ball out. Now, they've, like I said, they've uh, last game against the Saints really early on in the game, tried to target heavily Michael Pittman Jr. But this offense, I think, is really humming when you spread the ball out and get everyone involved. When Josh Downs, like I said, is getting catches and targets. When the tight ends are involved when Jonathan Taylor and even Zach Moss are involved in the passing game as well. And so I think the Colts will try to get back down the passing game. And that's part of the reason why I don't think you'll see a lot of 
Like, I don't think you'll see Michael Pittman Jr. dominate the target share um, the way Adam Thielen would because you look around the Panthers wide receiver room, it's Adam Thielen, and it's like no one else in terms like you feel good about um, trusting to throw the ball to Terrace Marshall. Like the tight ends are not very good, not very reliable. So there's not a lot of big time threats here outside of Thielen. That's been kind of uh, Bryce Young's security blanket. So I think just by sheer volume, he'll get a lot of passes thrown his way. Secondary is not very good. Where I think the Colts will try to spread the ball out. It's not going to just be a one man show here with Michael Pittman Jr. getting a lion's share of the targets. So I'm with you. I'll go Thielen. Better matchup, and also, too, I think he'll he'll get more volume thrown his way. So, okay, so we both agree Adam Thielen in terms of between him or Michael Pittman Jr. will have the, the more receiving yards in the game, although I do like the Josh Downs overall pick. I like that as well. Both agree that Gardner Mitchell will have over one and a half turnovers in this game. You think that the uh, Panthers will score at least 21 points. I do not. We both believe that Jonathan Taylor will have over 100 rushing yards in this game. You think the Colts will get four sacks. I will say the Colts get at least five in this contest. Two questions, George, before we get to our prediction here. Kind of like what we we ask every guest. So we'll ask, I guess, each other here as we are, I guess, starring as, in a guest role on our own podcast. The Colts win Sunday if? They run the ball more than they throw it. I, I think that's one of the big – we were talking about the overcorrection. I think the Colts need – uh, to to get not just Taylor going, but Moss going as well, and, and and get them, you know, this maybe this is the game they both go over 100. I mean, that would be a a pretty big day on Sunday, obviously. But I I go back to that game last week against New Orleans, and you think about you know what regrets Shane Sykin might have coming out of it for all the passes that they threw, which I think was like 41. Gardner Minshew was only average of five and a half yards per attempt. And you just can't have, and I think that's happened. It's been under six, two of the last three games. So you just can't lean on that. Uh, I think this, then you go back to, to more of the Cleveland run pass split. Um, I will say the Colts win this game. I think you're right, by the way, to not just steal your point here. You got to establish the run and, ride Jonathan Taylor in this game. Again, we both think they will because we both think he's going over 100 yards. I think the Colts win this game if their defense locks down the red zone. Now, last week, the Panthers got in the red zone four times, scored just one touchdown, kicked three field goals. Now, they won the game and they beat the Panthers, but it's one of those where if the Colts, again, force field goals, oh, they beat, the, I think I said they beat the Panthers, beat the Texans. They didn't beat themselves last week. They beat the Texans for their first one of the season. <laughs> But as long as this defense, if it's bend but don't break, if they don't allow the dam to open in terms of allowing the the Panthers once again to the red zone to score touchdowns, I think the Colts' offense has been consistent enough and deserves the benefit of the doubt. Even if they have a few turnovers, which we think uh, they will, I think they'll still get in the end zone enough. So as long as you keep Carolina kicking field goals instead of touchdowns, I think you win this game. Could be a little bit sloppy, but as long as defense you know, kind of holds strong here in the red zone and forces field goals, Colts win this game. On the flip side, George, the Panthers win this game on Sunday if? The Colts turn it over. I mean, I think that's always the equalizer in all of this. If Colts get three or four turnovers again, then I think you got to give Carolina a real shot, right? I mean, at that point, uh, they'll have short fields. Maybe some of those get cashed in. I, I just don't the, – the Colts, that's the equalizer in every one of these games. Whenever you're looking at – this team, quote-unquote, should win. The way they usually don't is turning the ball over. 
I will say the Panthers win if they shut down Jonathan Taylor. Because you outlined before, uh, Gardner Minshew last week, right, it was 41 to 27 uh, pass attempts versus rush attempts. And in the games where Gardner Minshew has to throw a lot, even go back to the Jacksonville game a few weeks ago, 55 pass attempts, this offense is not built for Gardner Minshew to lead the way passing the ball. They want balance. And the more you put the ball in Gardner Minshew's hands, not only, again, he's not pushing the ball deep, but also you're kind of asking for disaster in terms of turnovers. And so if the Panthers defense makes the Colts offense one-dimensional and we're sitting here talking about 40, 45, God forbid, 50 pass attempts from Minshew in this game on Sunday, I think that plays right into the hands of Carolina. You mentioned Brian Burns before. If he's playing with his ears pinned back, as Blake Freeland looks like is going to get another start in place of Braden Smith, that's a dangerous spot to be. Gardner Minshew's pocket awareness has not been very good this year. His ball security in the pocket has been even worse than his pocket awareness. And so now if you kind of telegraph to the Panthers defense what is coming, who still has young talent on it as well, especially on that defensive line, I think you're in for a long day. You're in for a long day, and that's where you need balance and you need to be able to run the ball effectively here in order to win this game. If not, like the Colts are in trouble, and that's how the Panthers win this game. If we're talking about Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss bottled up for like 50 yards on 23 carries combined, it could be ugly. It could be ugly. All right, George. So it was not the best week for us. It's not been a very good last few weeks here in terms of Colts predictions. My record on the season mirrors the Colts, three and five. You are a game better, four and four. But it's been tough sledding here the last few weeks. We thought they beat the Browns. Didn't Or no, I'm sorry. We thought the Browns would win. They did win, but did not cover the spread. L for us. We thought the Colts would beat the Saints. L for us. Time to get back on the winning track here. Just like the Colts on a losing streak, we got to shake that as well. Right now, as we go into Carolina, the Colts are two and a half point road favorites. Your prediction for Sunday, George, is I'm gonna I'm gonna say that John Taylor, as as we talked about earlier, has his biggest game of the year. I'm gonna say that Zach Moss has a really good complimentary game. Ooh. I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say this is a 200 yard rushing game for the Colts. They haven't had one of those yet this year. They're gonna go over the 200 yard rushing mark, and I'm gonna say Indianapolis 27, Carolina 21. Oh, wow. I like it. Okay. It might be seven field goals for the Panthers. We'll see how that works <laughs> Eddie Pinheiro, get the leg loose, buddy, and, and be ready. Um, I like the ground attack. I'm with you. I think the Colts will establish a run. I do think Jonathan Taylor is going to have a big game here, the first 100-yard rushing game for him in almost a, a full calendar year. I like the – this is – it's funny sometimes how similar our brains work. We don't talk about like a lot of stuff before the podcast. So like, I have no idea what your score prediction was going to be or who you're picking until literally three seconds ago. And you gave it, I wrote down just before Colts 27. So I do, I like the 27 number. I do think the Colts will get in the end zone. I think they'll be able to move the ball up and down the field again, two turnovers at least coming. So I think a lot of draw drives will be solved. I do think that their record for 20 points score in a game will continue now to number nine on the season. But I do think the Colts win 27-17. I think the defense, again, does play well, does not allow this, this offense for Carolina to gain any sort of momentum after their first win of the season last week. I think the ground game is established. They run the ball well. And I'm saying 27-17, Colts do win here and move to 4-5 and five on the season. So we are in agreement. Colts win. 
scoring 27 points on offense, and it's going to be a ground attack. Let me ask this before we get out of here, George, because this is the only time we're going to see this this season. Colts are the four o'clock game. The only late start, or I guess, yeah, the only, yeah, the only later window game they'll have right now, tentatively on the schedule all season long. What Sunday, one o'clock, George, what are we doing? It's going to be weird for me. It almost feels like the bye week because I, I never get to watch any other games. I mean, especially with them playing so many home games in the first half of the year. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the way back usually and during the four o'clock games, I might catch the Sunday night game. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's really hard to, 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 to watch games. So yeah, for me, it's going to be like, wait a minute, there's other football on their teams other than the Colts and whoever they're playing that week exist. It'd be a really big revelation for me on Sunday. It's and also to get used to it because right, you got the four o'clock start this week, the 9 30 a.m. start next week, then the bye week, three straight weeks where the one o'clock window the Colts will not be featured in. I am excited to be honest. Like, it, there is something relaxing about watching Red Zone on Sunday without your team being involved, like not having to sweat, you know, the Colts game. You can just sit back and watch other fan bases kind of freak out. There's something cathartic about just kind of sitting back and saying, Oh, this is nice. Now, it won't be nice next week if we're talking about a Colts. Uh, Sunday morning loss. I'll tell you this: red zone will not be enjoyable. But I gotta see highlights <laughs> and, and hear discussions about how you know Mac Jones lit up this Colts secondary in Germany. That would not be fun, George. That would not be fun. So pressure is on next week. But at least we don't know obviously the outcome of this game. Nice to kind of be able to watch red zone, see all the the witching hour chaos, and not have the Colts be front and center like they have been the last few weeks, where these games are coming down to the wire. Will they win? Will they lose? It will be nice. It will be a nice little break. Um, we got that a lot last year with all the primetime games they had. Uh, it looks like the NFL is smartly wised up this year and did not put them on any primetime games, if you will. So a different viewing experience on this uh, on this upcoming Sunday. But as a reminder, even though the game is three hours later, we still, George and I, will be live after the game. Hopefully it's a Colts win here. We're talking about a team going to four and five, getting set for a nice overseas trip. Um, but either way, win or lose, we'll be live after the game in one place and one place only YouTube blue horseshoe podcast on YouTube. Check it out. Subscribe. Make sure you tune in. It's, it's the only spot where you can actively during the show, interact with us in the comment section, give your biggest takeaway, give your biggest positive from the game, give your biggest negative from the game, criticize the coaching, praise the coaching, your thoughts immediately after the game. That is a spot to vent, and ho- or hopefully in this case, uh, have a lot of fun and revel in the joy of uh, of being the Panthers, being Frank Reich, and going to four and five on the season. Only spot to do so, Blue Horseshoe Pod on YouTube. Check it out, George. Hopefully, it's been a while. I'm kind of hungry for some ice cream. Three-game losing streak. It's been a while for our victory cone. This, one, this is a week where we are due. Even though the temperature is freezing, still, <laughs> it's never too cold for ice cream. It is not ice cream weather, but it is definitely, you are definitely overdue. There's no question about that. Three straight losses. Uh, it's been a rough stretch here, and it'll be interesting to see how this team responds. I mean, so far, pretty much every time that, that Shane Sykins had to rally them and, and get them going, uh, he's done so. And so we'll see how that plays out on Sunday. You are right. Uh, it's going to be it's gonna be fun. You know, Frank Reich's going to be juiced. I should have asked you in the over-under, George, at least one trick play, right? Fake punt. You know, double reverse pass. You know something's coming, right? Zaire Franklin got handed at that <laughs> yesterday in the locker room. He said he knows Frank's going to have a wrinkle just because that's the competitor in him. So, yeah, there'll be there'll be something 
uh, you need, I mean, maybe, maybe pull out the old Chuck Pagano play from, from new England, you know, way back when in, in prime time. That would, that would be, yeah. Be on the other side of that. That'd be nice. Oh, they'll watch it. They convert it. And then the Colts are laughed at again. They couldn't stop their own trick play. Got blown up. Uh, was that 2015? I think it was, um, so. good times. Yeah, actually, you know, I know it, it was 2015. I was at the Mets playoff game. Nets Cubs, never forget it. And then I'm on Twitter trying to keep track of the Colts game. And all I see is people laughing at the Colts and what happened. And then I see the video of the fake punt that, again, unfortunately, uh, is now infamous. That is for sure. And also, maybe for old time's sake, it's fourth and one at your own 18-yard line. Maybe Frank Wright goes for it. You might. You never know. He might. It won't be the touch push. I know that. Not with Bryce Young. Johnny Hecker, you're sitting on the bench this week. No punts. No punts. That might be true. That may be the case. You got the mic up, buddy. <laughs> I up. We'll see you in week number 10. So it should be a fun game here. What if in he's Carolina. on the inactive list Sunday? <laughs> that would be – that's a great wrinkle for Frank. <laughs> Put him on the inactive list and bring, like, another wide receiver or, like, offensive lineman on and just sit, to open up the roster spot and just really just go all in on your aggressiveness. You know Jim Mercer. Jim Mercer may love that too much. Jim, Jim might get some ideas after the game if it works out. Frank Reich goes like five of eight on fourth downs, like leads to like three touchdown drives continuing. Jim may get some – you never you can't put it past him, George. You cannot put it past him. No, he and Shane might have a talk after that one about, hey, the, 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 there's this idea for Germany. <laughs> Germans, you thought you knew football. Hold on. We're going to reinvent it for you. The punter does not exist. Never heard of him. We're going for it every single time. Oh, my. Oh, boy. It should be interesting. This definitely should be an intriguing and interesting game, without a doubt. Enjoy the rest of your week. It should be a really fun one here. Stay warm, and we'll talk to you on Sunday after the game right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.